Please open your Bibles with me once again to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. We're continuing our study there in Romans chapter 12. Now here in the 12th chapter, we see the apostles setting forth what our conduct, behavior, and attitude ought to be. And as we saw there last week, this is not the cause of our salvation, but rather the evidence of it. You see, my friend, if we have spiritual life, indeed, if Christ be in us, you and I will desire to be like him and seek to glorify him in our conduct and our conversation. And so we're continuing in our study this evening in this portion where the Lord teaches believers how they ought to act live and conduct themselves in this life in which we've been blessed to receive and indeed we've been blessed to live. In verse 12, Romans 12, we read there how we're rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, and by His grace, beloved, we are ever continuing instant in prayer. And Paul speaks here in verse 13 about distributing to the necessity of saints freely, willingly giving to the necessity of God's people and given to hospitality. Now, the subject here in this chapter is how we are to live. Indeed, how believers are to live in this life to the glory of God. And, beloved, the whole foundation of this is built upon this one foundation right here in verse 9. Love. And so, let love be without dissimulation, Abhor that which is evil, cling, cleave to that which is good. Paul begs us who believe, in verse 1, I beseech you, brethren, I beseech you, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You see, beloved, this is the whole foundation Indeed, the whole motive of our obedience unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Love. Love and gratitude for His mercy toward us. Love and gratitude to Him who first loved us and washed us from our sins in His own blood. Remember, beloved, it's His love that constrains us. James tells us in the book that bears His name, there in chapter 2, verse 8, if ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well. And so that is true love. Fulfilling the royal law of the scriptures, loving one another, and by his grace forgiving one another, and loving and believing the Lord Jesus Christ. Now in verse 13, the apostle speaks here about giving to one another. He writes in verse 8, He that giveth, let him do so with simplicity. That is, let him who gives, let him do it with sincerity, sincerely giving to the needs of believers, distributing to the necessity of the saints. And every believer is a saint. Indeed, his people are made saints, being sanctified in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, beloved, he's speaking here about helping believers who are in need. And then he's also speaking about being given to hospitality. 
opening up your homes and giving to the needs of other believers who are in need, uh, maybe financially or perhaps in, uh, in other ways. Now, oftentimes, strangers will knock at my door or try to come into this building, and the only thing they want is money. They're not interested in the gospel we preach here. They're, they're not interested in the truth as it is in Christ. But what they're interested in is money. They say, I need gas money for here, or I need gas money for there. That's usually the story they use. But perhaps what I should be asking them is, um, when you attend services, do you have a home church? And perhaps if they say they do, well then, I suppose I should encourage them to go see them. I mean, that's what we do here. We take care of our people. That is, when they are in need, we help each other, do we not? And so we should be encouraging people that if they have a need, that they go see their family. And if they their, their own family won't help them, then they should go seek help from the brethren at their local church. Though I, I must admit, <laughs> most times uh, I'll just help them. <laughs> I suppose I'm always encouraged to do, to do so when I think of how our Lord commands us there in Matthew chapter 4. He declares in verse 44, rather it's chapter 5. He says, I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Yes, I know most of the people that come in here just looking for money. They're, they're con artists. You know, they're trying to just bilk you for every penny you have. Most of them hit every church building up and down Highway 59. And most certainly, most certainly, they despitefully use the kindness and generosity of many people. But our Lord says, bless them. Do good to them. Pray for them. Beloved, that's not just speaking to you. That's, that's speaking to me. <laughs> and so, beloved, God's word declares in Galatians, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, but especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And so here too, in Romans chapter 12, the apostle is speaking here about helping all men, especially the saints. Now, I trust there's none of us here. I mean, if you knew a family among our congregation that was hungry, or their children had no clothes, or they were in great need, and you had the opportunity, beloved, you wouldn't even have to think about it, would you? I mean, you would just jump in and help them. I mean, I trust that's what we would all, we, we, we would all do, would we not? I mean, you'd be so willing so eager to help your brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what Paul is speaking about here, this love that he sheds abroad in our hearts for Christ and his people. You see, beloved, I know you know this by experience. I just pray we would experience all the more frequently. <laughs> what is it our Lord says? It's more blessed to give than receive. And it's true. It's true. We've experienced this, beloved. Many of you know this. It's a blessing to give and help the Lord's people. Remember, beloved, we're members one of another. In verse 4, Paul writes, there in Romans chapter 12, verse 4, As we have many members in one body, 
and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. And so we care for one another. We love one another, and that's not just locally in this local assembly, but when we see the needs of other believers in other churches and other places, we reach out to them too. I love what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. If you like, you can turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 4, <coughs> verse 28. The apostle writes there, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. You see what Paul is saying? They're distributing to the necessity of the saints, to him that needeth, given to hospitality. Now, this is not something that's regimented in some cold and calculated way. No, no. Rather, this is a moving of the heart by his grace, a moving of the heart in love as the Lord makes known to you the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that though he was rich, yet for your sake, beloved, he became poor, that you through his poverty might be made rich. And the whole chapter here in Romans chapter 12 speaks about giving. And beloved, the prime example of giving is the Lord himself, as he gave himself for us. All right, let's consider now Verse 14, the apostle writes there, Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Now we read through the book of Acts how that the early church was beaten, arrested, murdered, executed, and killed for the gospel of God. And Paul writes, Bless them which persecute you. Beloved, we don't know anything about that kind of persecution. Not in our day, not in this time, not in this place, not, not as yet. But even so, we are persecuted. But most of us will not know that kind of persecution unto death. Nevertheless, beloved, bless them which persecute you. Bless, don't curse them. Now, we only do that by God's grace. We only do that by God's grace. And so as our God enables us to bless them that would persecute us over the gospel, and uh, like I said, we, we don't know the same de degree of persecution the early church suffered, but our Lord teaches us to forgive our enemies when they sin against us. Our Lord teaches us in the Gospel of Matthew how that we're to forgive one another, not just once, not just twice, but 70 times 7 were to forgive one another. I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Now, though it is our natural fallen tendency, indeed the bent of this rotten, ruined flesh, to strike back, beloved, bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Our Lord commands us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Ye have heard that it hath been said, 
Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Love your enemies, beloved. Love your enemies. That's what we ought to do. Indeed, that's what we're, we're commanded to do. To love and forgive, forgiving one another. In Acts chapter 7, we read there the great gospel sermon preached by Stephen. And when those religious Pharisees heard what he preached, they railed on him. They attacked him, just like a pack of wild dogs. And then they picked up stones and stoned him to death. Now, the natural tendency of the flesh is to rail back and not to bless and, and to curse. But you know what Stephen said in his last dying breath? It's there in Acts chapter 7, verse 60. And Stephen kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Indeed, he died, fulfilling what the Lord commands us to do. Bless them which persecute you. But of course, the prime example of this, this blessing and not cursing, is when the Lord Jesus Christ was so mistreated, so hated and despised, that when men nailed him to the cursed tree, remember one of the first things he said in those solemn seven sayings from the cross. The first thing he uttered was, Father, forgive them. Now I know everyone that he prayed for, they were forgiven because his prayers are always answered. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. Not everyone but rather all those he died for. So the next time someone crosses you and it's unpleasant with you, the next time someone persecutes you, don't rail back at them. Rather, come back with something pleasant. God enable us to do that. Come back at them with something kind. Don't keep pouring fuel on the fire. Rather, pour out clean water, pour out the gospel. And so bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. All right, verse 15. The apostle continues and he writes there, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Again, the apostle is speaking here about believers rejoicing together and then believers weeping together. Beloved, rejoice with them that rejoice in the gospel. Rejoice. And that's what believers do when we meet together and the gospel is preached. We worship the Lord Jesus Christ and we worship him in spirit and in truth. And we rejoice together. We rejoice in his mercies. We rejoice in the pardon of all of our sins. We, we rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ, worshiping God in the spirit, rejoicing together and having no confidence in the flesh. And then the other side of this is when we're brokenhearted, when we're sorrowful, when we're mourning, 
When one of us has a heavy burden or trial, what do we do? We weep with them. We mourn with them. Remember, believers are one heart and of one mind. We're all members one of another. When one member of the body is blessed, we rejoice. When one member of the body is sorrowful, we sorrow with them. Do we not? And beloved, when we do that, when we sorrow and rejoice together, we demonstrate that we are one in Christ. And that's how we bear one another's burdens. The psalmist writes, not once, not twice, but three times. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. That word countenance can be rendered face. And indeed, beloved, we praise the Lord for the help of his face. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Beloved, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see, beloved, the experiences we go through when someone else is going through, that same experience that you went through, that you saw the other side of, you can say, brother, I know where you're at. I've been through that, and you'll find this to be true. The Lord's grace is sufficient for the trial. And that's what Paul is speaking about here. His grace is sufficient, beloved. And so rejoicing with them, we do rejoice. And weeping with God's people, we do weep. And so, beloved, be not only of the same heart, but further, verse 16, be of the same mind one to another. Mind not high things, be not high-minded, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Beloved, don't be full of pride, but get down low. Get down low and condescend to men of low estate. Don't be high and lift it up. I think preachers are the, the worst for this. And indeed, I'm, I'm so hard on myself. And sometimes that spills out on others. Sometimes we have a, a tendency, do we not, to think, well, we're just a little bit better. Well, that's just plain wrong. Plain wrong. Let me set both you and me straight. You and I are not, are not better than others. Remember, remember what the apostle said about who makes us to differ? Beloved, learn in us not to think of men above that which is written, that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou dost not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou had not received it? And so, beloved, condescend to men of low estate. Get right down where you belong. Well, where do we belong? <laughs> where do we belong? At the back of the line. At the back of the line. Rem remember what our Lord declared? He declares there in Luke chapter 14... If you turn there with me, Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 8. 
the flesh is uh, always saying to us, I'm number one. Yo soy primero. <laughs> We're not number one, beloved. Christ is number one. He is to have the preeminence. And I pray that he would condescend once again to teach his people by his grace. But he sets forth there in verse 8. When thou art bidden of any man to a wedding, and this is our Lord's words here, our Lord and God speaking in verse 8. When thou art bidden, bidden of any man to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and come and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with some shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher, then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Have mercy on me, the sinner. O Lord, this is the same picture and type of the gospel that we learn about in Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18 and verse 9, our Lord spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Wherever you find self-righteous people, that is always present. Those two things present, self-righteousness and despising others. And so our Lord taught this parable to these self-righteous religious hypocrites. Luke 18 verse 9. And he says, Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this, as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You see, beloved, we're just sinners saved by God's grace. And so don't be wise in your own thinking, in your own conceit. Beloved, let us not be high-minded about ourselves. And so let us esteem others better than we would ourselves. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 3, we read there how if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we read there in verse 12, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Now look at verse 17. Romans 12, verse 17. Paul continues, Recompense to no man evil for evil. And that goes back to what Paul said in verse 14. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. And so recompense to no man evil for evil, Provide things honest in the sight of all men. 
My friend, revenge is always contrary to the way of grace. Always. And sadly, it's our fallen, sinful nature to get even, to hit back. And so when someone punches you, though you want to hit back, beloved, don't repay evil words with evil words or evil deeds with evil deeds, but forgive one another and love one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And then the apostle says, provide for honest things. You know, by God's grace, beloved, God's people are made to know how that before God, they are bad, evil indeed. And those left to themselves, well, they think themselves good. Strange, isn't it? Good people go to hell and bad people go to heaven. But that's the truth. You see, honest men don't wind up in hell. Rather, honest men and beloved were made so by the grace of God. We honestly confess what we are before God and indeed provide things honest, not only in the sight of men, but further by his grace and mercy in his sight. And so, beloved, let us avoid all things that would bring dishonor on the gospel of Christ in our attitude, in our conduct, in our inner conversation and our outward walk. Let us always be aware, never to bring reproach upon the gospel of God. And so, beloved, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And so let us always, Lord, help us, deliver us from ever bringing reproach upon the gospel of God. And so, beloved, recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. And you'll do the same, beloved, as all of God's people do, not to be saved, not, not to be saved, but because, beloved, you already are. You already belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, being his purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Now, in verse 18, uh, this is remarkable, and it is true to our experience, if it be possible. <laughs> and sometimes it seems impossible. People are just so cantankerous. They're so argumentative, just like you. <laughs> They don't want to get along with anybody. But if it be possible, beloved, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, love your neighbors and be good to them. Be a good neighbor. Respect your neighbors and live at peace with all men. And on the job, you know, be a good workman. Be a team player on the job. And so in your neighborhood or at, at your workplace, be a good workman but especially in the congregation of the church. Don't be one who causes unnecessary disturbances and divisions in the church. That's so awful and, and ugly. But rather, beloved, be at peace with all men. Look at verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. And this gets back to this thing here about not taking vengeance and paying back evil with evil. Avenge not yourselves but rather give place unto wrath. Live, leave wrath with who it belongs to. Yield it up to the Lord and let it go. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. 
In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Paul writes, Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Let it die. Let it go. The Lord will defend his people. You see, it's the Lord's place to take appropriate payment for sin. And the wages of sin is death. You see, the Lord will avenge his own elect in due time. Now, Paul's not speaking here of when someone would do something that would be criminal against you or when someone would steal from you or maybe harm one of your families or assault you criminally. He's not saying that we don't do anything. He's not saying we don't do anything. And so what do we do in that case? Well, beloved, we turn it over to the proper authorities who are ordained of God to execute punishment. But the bottom line is this. Again, verse 19, the Lord says, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. You see, the Lord has ordained the proper civil authorities to deal with criminal action. And we'll see that in chapter 13. In uh, verse 1 of chapter 13, Paul writes, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And verse 20 goes right back to loving your neighbors, loving your enemies. The apostle writes, Therefore, verse 20, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. You can give him a loaf of bread too, if, you, if that'll help him. But mainly, give him the bread of life. Tell him about Christ. If he's thirsty, tell him about the living water. Tell him about Christ, that a man may drink and never die. And in doing so, it might bring our enemy to repentance of life and the fire of a repentant heart to seek salvation in Christ. Paul writes, For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Remember, beloved, it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance, not his wrath. Our anger, our wrath will never be used as a means of someone seeking salvation. But our kindness to them and giving them the gospel might be used of God and be the means used where God would grant a particular man or woman or boy or girl faith unto salvation. Now the bottom line in all of this is in verse 21. Beloved, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now believers have problems with evil things. You know, when I pray, Lord, deliver me from evil, I'm not so much thinking about this evil fallen world, you know, out, out there. No, no. Rather, I'm thinking about the evil of my own heart. You know, the evil things that I think about, that I wish I could stop. But that's the nature of this sinful flesh. And so, beloved, be not overcome with evil thoughts, but overcome evil things and evil thoughts with good things. Think upon good things, the things of God that are good, and ask the Lord to take these terrible thoughts away from us. This is the bottom line and some of what Paul has been teaching by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Beloved, this is the very principle of the gospel of Christ, giving his life for us. He overcame evil with good. Hereby we perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. So, beloved, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. 
the Lord Jesus Christ overcame the evil of our sin with the goodness of his righteousness, with the goodness of his atoning blood. And Paul writes when he closed his second epistle to the Christians in Corinth, Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. And so, beloved, and this is God's word for you in the pew, and this is God's word for me behind the pulpit. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Amen.